Hey everybody, welcome to Ocala Hustle. I am so beyond excited to have today's guest, Rashad Jones here with us. Rashad is the owner operator of Big Lee's Barbecue. And if you can't tell by looking at me, I love barbecue. Okay, Rashad, so if someone watching has not had the pleasure, can you tell them about your business in Big Lee's? Sure, absolutely. Uh, Big Lee's Barbecue is a company that my wife and I started uh, about six years ago, July 12th of 2014. We started out on a food trailer. Uh, we cook uh, just straight barbecue. When I say barbecue, I'm talking brisket, burn-ins, nice, big, fat, juicy, tender spare ribs, uh, smoked chicken, uh, handcrafted sausage. We don't go and buy sausage off of the shelf at a store or get a distributor bring it, to bring it in. Uh, we're doing it all 100% from scratch every single week. Uh, what else do we have? We have mac and cheese. We have brisket stuffed mac and cheese. It's called the Kathy that helped me win a Food Network competition you, a few years ago. If you didn't mention it, yeah. I was going to call you out because the <laughs> Kathy is the jam. It really the is. The brisket and the mac and cheese <laughs> together, unbelievable. Yeah, it's a match made in heaven. So we've got that. We've got, and that's all made from scratch. Uh, scratch made collard greens, old school way, not out of a can. Uh, scratch made banana pudding, cheesecakes, peach cobbler. We have our own signature drink. It's called Big Lee's Tea. So when you put all the food together and you sit down and eat it after having the experience with our staff, uh, it's not just food. It's, a, it's an experience that we're trying to offer folks. So yeah. yeah, and I think you definitely achieve like a full experience. Um, and I'm excited to dive into all this. So the first thing that I wanted to learn more about is, you know, I, I started thinking about the name Big Lee's hmm. Serious About Barbecue. Yep. And after having our you know, conversation in advance of this, I know you don't just come up with things. You think about everything. So what was the thought process that went into Serious About Barbecue? Because just hmm. to set the stage on why I'm so interested in it is I think it perfectly conveys you know, that you're more than just some barbecue place. This is real barbecue. Yeah. Uh, the, the only way I can describe it is that um, anytime I put my effort, my time, my thought, my energy into anything, I consider it to be worthwhile. Mm -hmm. I consider it to be uh, something that's important and it's going to get a serious side of my energy. You know, and that serious side also comes with humor. It comes with having a good time. But the output, the finished product is something that you can believe a, a whole lot's gone into. A whole lot of heart, a whole lot of soul, a whole lot of thought. That makes sense. Research. I'm a nerd. Yeah. And when you're thinking of it from a business perspective, I want you as the consumer to know that, hey, if I want barbecue, these folks, are they've put something serious into it. It's not just we opened a package of something, warmed it up, and put it on a bun, and there you go. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. But we're trying to do something completely different. Yeah, and it fits perfect. You know, like when you go and you get the barbecue, you can tell just looking at it that this is seriously <laughs> well thought through barbecue. So I, I love that about that name. One of the things that I noticed in our conversation is that um, you have a great way of distilling ideas into a saying. And <laughs> I, my, my dad, uh, when I was you know, growing up, one of the things that's been such a huge influence and positive in, in my life, um, both personally but also professionally, was he was a sayings guy, liked yeah. sayings, you know. Most of them I couldn't say among mixed company because there was always some, you know, some, some spice mixed in. Colorful words in there. So one of the first ones you said, which I think is beautiful, is humility washes off pride. Oh, yeah. It washes does. away pride, washes off pride. And then you tell a great story behind that. I would love to kind of dig into that. So do you mind sharing that again? No, not at all. I mean, when you really stop and think about what food is, barbecue, whatever sort of culinary lane mm -hmm. we're going down, it's all art, right? And art is creativity. Creativity comes from this part of your soul. It mm. comes from this part of you that's really, really connected to your emotions and experiences. And that's what, that's what the finished product of that art is. It's, 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 it's incredible. Yeah, it's like please. connecting a pipe directly to the soul, turning the spigot and whatever comes out is what was in me as a, it was what is in me as a creator. So, uh, Barbecue, it's a humbling type of cuisine. <laughs> For sure. I mean, you figure when you're cooking barbecue in Florida, it's 100 degrees, just shy of 100 degrees outside mm -hmm. right now. 
we're standing next to live fires that are burning at eight, nine hundred degrees. Mm-hmm. There's hot mm-hmm. metal, there's hot meat, there's hot juices dripping from meats. A lot can go wrong. A lot does go wrong. But guess what? You as my consumer, you're not concerned with any of that. Right. You just want your brisket. <laughs> you want your burn-ins. You want your Kathy. And you want it to be spot on. Sure. So without humility, it's easy to give up in barbecue. It's easy to say, mm. oh, this just isn't working. I thought I was going to hit a home run out of the park, which wow. you will not do when right. you first start cooking barbecue. It's I mean, anybody gonna... who's done it, I, I, I've failed a number of times on making <laughs> a brisket for I, Christmas this year. I almost ruined all of Christmas because my brisket was messed up. So, sure, that I've makes got, perfect I've got sense. a ton of briskets from seven, eight years ago sitting out in the landfill right now. <laughs> <laughs> They're bricks. <laughs> They're just terrible. Yeah. But that's the humi- That's the part of it where barbecue in those beginnings, mm-hmm. uh, the beginning phase of it, even up to now, it tests you. It tests your humility. Absolutely. So I learned the biggest humility lesson that I learned was right around the age of 18, uh, leading up to the age of 18. Uh, I was a kid who was kind of a know-it-all mm-hmm. uh, in relationship to my parents. And I guess a lot of kids, a lot of teenagers have experienced sure. that. Uh, but my my parents are very old school, very loving, but very no nonsense. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, these are the rules. We're taking care of you. We're providing love, affirmation, all the things that parents should. We only ask that you follow the rules and follow them well and execute mm-hmm. on your side of the deal. They're upholding their side. Sure. I need to uphold mine. So um, long story short, I, I just really wasn't interested in that. I was interested in, well, I, I know more. I don't think we should do it this way. I think we should do it that way. And this whole right. big-headed 16, 17-year-old full of pride. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom, she's very, I think I get the methodical side of my thinking from her. We're very, very similar. My mm-hmm. mom is, she, I love her to death. I love her so much. So... She kind of took a step back and said, all right, the conversations haven't worked. Discipline as in taking stuff away from no video games. Right. No, you can't, it doesn't work. Just attitude's still the same. I'm going to have to just let life teach him this lesson. So she said, all right, on your 18th birthday, I've got the perfect gift for you. You know, we've never done a gift like this before. It's going to be a huge surprise. <laughs> You're really going to be shocked. So um, 18th birthday rolls around. Uh, she walks into my bedroom first thing in the morning and tosses a box of uh, the yellow, old school yellow box of Glad uh, trash bags to okay. me. Okay, yep. I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird. And she's like, right, this is part of your birthday present. I want you to go ahead and pack up all your stuff that you paid for, nothing that you know we wow. paid for, uh, and you get to move out because you know, you've convinced me through all the conversations and all the back and forth wow. arguments that you literally know it all because I can't tell you anything. There's there's literally so much in that head of yours that whatever I say, there's no room for it. So as a parent, yeah. like I'm like yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, I've been on like I remember thinking I knew everything, and yeah. now I'm dealing with you know an older teenager that there's some friction about. Uh, yeah. So I'm just your mom is a superhero. So she, she keep, really is. Yeah, and she knew what she was doing. A lot of times, I think parents feel, oh, is this the right choice? Right, or not? right. That's what's but tough. Her instinct was spot on because. There's nothing she could have told me in another conversation mm-hmm. that would make me say, okay, I get it now. Right. I need to be home. That wasn't going to get rid of the pride. So I started packing up all my stuff and I'm grabbing it. She's like, oh, I'm pretty sure I bought that one. You need to put that back. And I'm like, is she being serious? And I thought it was like this joke sure. where at the like She's going to be like, JK, put it all back. And- exactly. But mm-hmm. knowing my mom, right. I'm like, I think she's serious. I think she's like... I really have to move out today. And I'm technically, I'm 18, I'm a legal adult. And as I'm packing stuff up, she goes, I just want you to remember all the lessons I've taught you throughout the years. You know, I've taught you how to do laundry, how to pay bills, mm-hmm. balance a checkbook, you know how to cook, you know how to take care of it, you know how to, you know, shave, groom yourself, all these different things, you right. know. Um, so you should be able to do pretty well. You know, you never let me really tell you anything. And I've done my part. You should be able to handle this. So I'm like, okay, this doesn't feel good. Mm. And I feel the humility, the, the humility kind of like. It's like knocking at the, yeah, it's like, right, hey, right. Mm-hmm. We've been trying to talk to you this whole time. Mm. And I'm packing everything up and I leave. I put everything in the back of my 1990 Subaru Justy. That was yes. the car I drove back then. Yes. Not a cool car, by the way. <laughs> Don't go buy one. <laughs> Sorry, Subaru. Yeah, good luck buying um, one, right? <laughs> but um, 
so I, I left, and as I'm driving around, if you've never felt bewildered before, mm-hmm. uh, it's just com- a complete state of absent-mindedness in regards as what is Where my next move. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So uh, I drove around for hours. I called a few friends. Said, hey, do you think your parents will let me spend a couple of nights? And every friend pretty much responded the same. They laughed, and they're like, get out of here. There's no way. Your mom didn't do that. No, no. No, not at all. She didn't give him a heads up or anything. Right, but they were probably like hard to believe that she. Had- oh, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah, there's no way. Are you serious? I'm like, yeah. yeah. So uh, I literally had no other option. I said, well, I guess I'm going to. I didn't want to sleep in my car that night. Mm-hmm. So I said, I guess I'm going to go over to the Salvation Army. Wow. So I drove over there and I just kind of sat in the parking lot for a while just to kind of scope out the place. And I'm mm-hmm. like, what am I doing here? Right, yeah. You probably like. How would you even know what's step one to? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I'm sitting in that parking lot and I'm just scoping the place out and I see people that look like they're probably dealing with a very difficult time in life. Right. And again, Rashad, what are you doing here? That confident, mm-hmm. you know, false confidence, the know-it-all confidence, is like really being checked as I'm sitting in that parking lot. So I get out of the car, walk in. Up this little sidewalk, there's benches on both sides going to the front entrance. And the folks say, how, how can I help? And I'm like, I don't really have a place to stay tonight. Mm. Like, okay, fill out this form, da 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 And I, I actually lived there for several months. Wow. Trying to figure it all out. Only to find out that my mom already had it all figured out. And she was basically saying, here you go. Right. <laughs> so it took that experience for me to realize that. Because I feel like. Pride will blind you from seeing what's right in front of you. And after that experience, a lot, I won't say all, because I feel like we can always do better and there's always work to do. That's one of my mottos at Big Lee's. No matter what feedback we get from customers or reviews or accolades, it's good. Let's celebrate, Mm. but now let's try to get better. So a lot of that pride got washed off. So humility washed off a ton of my pride. I was able to go back to my mom which she's all about results and not about talk. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. the serious about that's that's (laughs) probably my mom's thinking somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. So uh, I used to work for Publix and I worked the night shift and I'd go, I I took classes at CFCC, which is what it was called back then during the day. And when you're stocking shelves from midnight till 7 a.m. when the store opens, you've got a lot of thinking time because there's nobody to talk to on that aisle. And I didn't tell you this on our pre-interview, but Literally, every single statement that she had said over the years where she said, oh, I feel like it's going in this ear and coming right out of this ear. It really doesn't. The behavior makes it look like sure. that's what's happening. But all of those things, they just kind of one by one came back yeah. to me. And I pondered what she meant by that. And it was like one of these, ah, she was right. I see mm-hmm. what she was talking about now. I can see now. Like the pride's kind of gone. Right. And the humility allowed me to see. And I, one by one, I just went through each one of those things. And at the end of that whole deal, Clay, I felt about this big because I was like, wow, I treated her poorly in every one of those instances when she was literally just trying to give me the playbook of life. Right. So um, I said, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to do something. I have to make this right. And that's another thing we do in business to this day. If I mess up your order. I'm not trying to excuse it away. I want to just make it right. Mm -hmm. So I bought a bunch of really cool groceries. It was payday. It was a Friday. I drove way out to her, to where she lived at the time, which was out in Hawthorne. I I worked at Churchill Square, just right on the corner from Mm -hmm. here. More thinking time on the drive. I'm like, what am I going to say to her? Because she's not going to want to hear talk. She just wants to see the results. So I drove out to her house. She came out on the front porch and... um, She's standing there with her hands with her hands on her hips, just like looking at me. And her first words were, "What are you doing here?" And I said, "Well, I came to share something with you." And I'm gonna say, "Well, this is what I have to say," because right. she's like, "Eh, more words. That's not mm-hmm. what's you know the real deal. It's about the action." So I said, uh, first of all, I am sorry, and I'm not just saying it. You know, I, I apologize for the times that I've hurt you." I've literally spent a lot of time thinking about the things that I've said that were wrong, the things that you said that were right, that I 100% ignored, and I feel terrible. Um, Thank you for making me move out because I can see everything of what you're trying to show me, 
as a result of that. My mom is very, she's very uh, emotional mm -hmm. uh, and strong and all these wonderful things put together in one package. And it's like somebody just turned on Niagara Falls. Oh, really? She started bawling. Yeah. And then I'm seeing my mom bawling. I'm like, man, then I start bawling. Sure. And she said, come here and give me this big hug oh, and wow. we embraced. And we've literally, our, our relationship, it just transcended the mother-son sure. um, aspect. And we're like best friends to this day. We have this, I don't know what happened, but since that day, we have like this unique bond where sure. we can kind of read each other without saying a word. And uh, we have the best relationship ever. And I think it would not have turned out that way if uh, life would not have humbled me. Sure. So. Well, I think, you know, when you go through a struggle like that, because as a parent, that had to have been very challenging to do. Oh, yeah. You know, it had to have been hard to do. And then from your side, you know, uh, experiencing this for the first time, you're struggling. And I think struggle just builds this connection. And the fact that it came back together like that, it makes perfect sense that it just created an amazing bond. Absolutely. I mean, it just it just it just showed me so much that uh, that, you know, she really did care. There's a lot of people that care. And you got to you got to put your pride aside, lower your mm -hmm. guard, just listen, hear, you know, hear people out. I have to do these things to this day in business. Yeah. People critique as, as many accolades as we receive. There's the times where we drop the ball, sure. where we weren't paying attention. Something slipped by and a customer received something that was, it was not what our standard mm -hmm. is. I can't make an excuse. Right. You know, I have to have that same approach, humility. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be what makes the situation right. You know, it, that really crystallizes well how, because I, I think we've all had experiences where someone has responded in pride to a complaint, which would be, no, I couldn't have made that mistake. I'm, you know, <laughs> haven't you seen all, and then, or, you know what, I'm, I still make mistakes to, you know, today, I'll make that up for you. So that is the yeah. pride response versus the, the humble response. One of the sayings I share with my team is, within our company, I've made more mistakes than anyone else. And I'll just kind of look at mm. like, what are you talking about? And I, I model that same behavior in front of my team. Right. When I make a mistake, I, and you can ask them this. This is, this is on the record. Yeah. <laughs> when I make a mistake, when I drop the ball big time, I call everybody to it. And I say, guys, look at what I did. Right. I've seen leadership examples in, in, in uh, a, a company setting where when the leader makes a mistake, yeah. they want to hide it right. and bury it. What does that teach the rest of the crew? To do the same. And then, so we've got all these landmines exactly. that we're digging up. Oh, yeah. man, who, who left? I ruined $1,700 worth of ribs Oof. about two and a half years ago. Wow. These are raw ribs. Wow. I was in a hurry. I had a meeting I had to get to. Just put a bunch of ribs in the cooler. Uh, the cooler is packed. I didn't make sure the door sealed properly. Sure. I gave it one shove, and I latched it, and I said, I think it'll be fine. In the back of my mind... That little tiny knowing mm. that said, Rashad, no, it's not. Call the people that you have the meeting with. Say, I'm so sorry. I've got some, something I have to take care right. of and fix it. But I didn't want to do that. I wanted to keep my commitment. I said, I'm going to be there at a certain time. I want to be there. Came back uh, the next day to start prepping these $1,700 worth of ribs. Back then, that's what we would go through in, in two days. because We were only open Fridays right. and Saturdays back wow. then. We started cutting these packages of ribs open. Like, mm, yeah. What is that smell? Oh, it smells horrible. I'm like, yeah, toss that one. Open another one. Oh my God. And then at that moment, my heart sunk on that second one. Because you knew. I knew, but they didn't. They were like, man, must be a, these must have all right. came from a bad case. Bad case of ribs. And I said, you know what? <sighs> Open all of them. And we went through every single pack. Everyone just was not right. Mm. And I had a talk with the team. I told them, this is exactly what happened. I shared the same thing with them right. that I shared with you and with you guys. And I said, this is what happens when you're not thorough. You don't do the job the way it's supposed to be done. This is the result. Well, that doesn't just... So, so you, you're giving them permission to own their mistakes. Absolutely. But you're also building trust through that. Absolutely. That's what, you know, I think people are uncomfortable with saying, I don't know, or saying, I made a mistake. Where my thought process on that is, if your answer is I don't know, you're building credibility. You have if, to. If you act like you know everything, then That's you are credible. known to be false. Absolutely. It's not credible. Yep. It's because it's not realistic. Right. Then the other thing that comes along with that is there's a lot of different philosophies that I think a company can view their personnel through. You can mm -hmm. just use that literal terminology, yep. corporate terminology of these individuals are company personnel. Some people refer to 
their uh, their their members as staff. Right. Some people refer to them as family. Mm-hmm. In our in our philosophy, in our concept, we use the language of team. Okay. Because when you think you're, you're a sports guy, mm-hmm. what's your favorite sport? Uh, college football. Football. Mm-hmm. Does a quarterback complete every pass? I, I haven't seen one yet. Never. <laughs> That's right. A receiver does not catch every pass. Absolutely. So there's always these incompletions, so mm-hmm. to speak. And if the culture is punitive, every time a quarterback doesn't complete a mm-hmm. pass, he's going to be a, yeah. he's going to be a ball mess. Yeah. yeah, he's going to be a, a, a mess. He's not going to be even be able to step up out in that in that pocket and focus on completing a pass because he's going to be so concerned with messing up. Mm-hmm. I give my team permission to mess up. I say, you're going to mess up. Are you? Mm-hmm. Let me check you. You got a pulse? Right. You're human? All right. You're going to drop the ball. You're going to mess up on something. But don't have fear in relationship to me coming to bust you over. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got you. You dropped the ball. You wasted this. You messed up. Right. That, that is not our culture. Yeah. So. No, that's super key. Like, because it... Like you said, if you create a culture where no one can make mistakes, I feel like you're you're constantly pushing people out. They're going to say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to mess it up. And yeah. it's like, no, I don't want to have to push you out. I'd rather have to pull you back in. Yep. So I think that's such a great point. Even so, basketball, you, know, you shoot the ball, you might be forty for a 40% shooter right? You know, from no, the three-point line. And that's, that's a great percentage. It really is. But that, it means 60% of the time you're missing. Right. But that's okay. So our team understands that. They bought into it. Uh, and it ties back again into humility. It doesn't create an error around me when they're the ones doing the majority of the work now. Sure. Not, I'm not cooking all the food like I used to. I'm not greeting every single customer. Mm-hmm. How can I when I'm right. here doing stuff like this? <laughs> Sorry to keep from the barbecue. But no, in, no, in, in, in a good way. So yeah. it lets them know, hey, I don't have this error about me that says, you know, I'm perfect. I've never made that mistake and neither should you. Sure. You know, I, there's freedom and there's liberty to be a human. Yep. Uh-huh. So one of the other things that we talked about when we spoke earlier was uh, empathy wins the day. Absolutely. And so as I shared with you, when you said that to me, I kind of reflected on it. And, and you know, I read a lot and, and one of the things things you read a lot in business books recently is a lot of conversation around empathy. And I started reflecting on the transaction that occurs between um, you know, your staff and your customer is, is pretty quick. They come up, oh, yeah. uh, they order, they pay, and they walk away. And I thought, you know, it's interesting that empathy is, is such a key part of your culture. So I'd love to hear more about that. I think, I think empathy is probably one of the most important and underrated attributes in every sector of society, business, family, Absolutely. relationships, mm-hmm. friendships, you name it. I mean, I don't, I don't think you can lose with empathy. Right. It's so powerful. It's it's one of the the secret ingredients to the Big Lee's experience. Uh, one of the things that I train our staff on is always looking at every single thing that we do through the lens of the customer's mm-hmm. experience. And that's not unique. A lot of businesses do that. It's not something we came up with. But the way I package that statement in that com- conversation is through empathy. It's through really taking the time to think about, we're a food trailer, all right? It's 100 degrees outside. We've got to cut every single piece of meat right. fresh to order. There's not a pile of pre-cut brisket yep. or pre-sliced ribs because we want to deliver the best tasting barbecue experience mm-hmm. that your mouth could ever dream of having. And in order to do that, all these components have to come together. There's ticket time. Sometimes we'll pop that window open and there's 40 people in sure. line. And I'm telling my team, let's do math. If, if we take two minutes to take one customer's order, is that pretty good or is that bad? And they're like, that's good. I mean, you're greeting the customer, you're asking them their name, right. they have questions about the menu. If you can have their order done and say, well, it was a great meeting you, we're gonna work on getting your order out. Have a wonderful day, sir. And that took two minutes? That's phenomenal. Sure. It sucks for that <laughs> if you're 40 number person 40, line. <laughs> you're 80 minutes away. Yeah, and right. we're, we're cranking through, but, yeah. but that's an hour and 20 minutes for that 40th person in mm. line. And then more people show up, more people pull in, and then there's folks who are pulling in to pick up catering orders and all these different things. So it's a lot to juggle, but empathy is what helps us to control all of those different aspects that we're responsible Mm -hmm. for. 
Uh, there's no such thing as, well, all right, we'll just hurry up and cut this brisket real sure. fast and slap it in the box and get these orders out. It's let's, let's still do our best at presenting everything in each one of these to-go boxes as nice as we can and as fast as we can um, so that way we can move that line, we can get folks their food, and everybody's happy. Sure. It's a, it's a huge part of our culture, even internal empathy. Mm-hmm. A lot of times as a business owner, you might have a team member who comes in and you might perceive their behavior as having a, a bad attitude. Mm-hmm. Sure. It may not be a bad attitude, you know. How many times have we, you know, as business owners, sure, you have some issue at home. You show up to work, you're wearing that issue on your Absolutely. face, and everybody can see yep. it. There's not a whole lot of people, you know, at that, uh, you know, at my company or your company that's going to say, "Hey, I need to talk to you in the office." You know, right. what's going on? What's with the attitude today? You know, so I don't treat my staff like that. Empathy t- t- tells me, "Hey, this person may have just had a family member who died." They may have a significant other who was just furloughed. They may have just came back from the doctor with some sort of, you know, poor diagnosis uh, or you know, for for something that's mm. undesirable. There's a million things. Sure, but if we always take that traditional and old school approach to, all right, I'm the boss, and you guys, you listen to me, you come in here, I want everybody smiling and happy. And right. It's again, it's not it's real. Not effective, right? It's right. not effective. It's not real, mm-hmm. and it's not empathetic. Right. I think empathy wins people over. I I have a deep desire to want to be understood. I hate when I'm talking and somebody's like, "What? What are you saying? Right. What are you talking about?" It's it's frustrating. I'm like, "Wait, I just poured my heart out, and you mm-hmm. didn't get a lick of that." <laughs> sure. So uh, I feel like if I can give that in return, be a, uh, you know try to be a really good listener, which mm. I, I haven't been my whole life. I used to be a terrible listener. Mm. So once I realized empathy was important, it taught me, man, you got to shut up more and listen more. You got two ears and one mouth for a reason. Totally. I, I, you know, I don't know if it's a maturity issue, but I, I dealt with the very same thing. And, and mine, was, mine came out of, especially early in my career, like the imposter syndrome where I felt like I'm going to be discovered to be not as intelligent as people think I'm, I am. Hmm. There was a saying that I read one time, which was, um, you know, it's better to be silent and have people assume you don't know what you're talking about than to speak and confirm it. You know, <laughs> and so it took me a long time to learn that it's okay to, to listen. It's okay that if someone says something to you yeah. and you want to process it, take a minute. Don't just. I would spend my whole time on the other side of a conversation thinking about what I was, how was I going to respond to what that person's saying. And I would totally miss what they were saying. I would just assume what they were saying. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it just took, I, I don't know if there's a maturity issue that's connected with, with an inability to like listen effectively until you reach a certain point. I, I don't know. You know, and, and when we were speaking earlier about the sayings that your mom was saying and how oh, yeah. they, it appeared they were going in one ear and out the other, um, but they were really taking hold. I was thinking a little to myself, I was listening, but I was also <laughs> thinking, from the perspective of a parent now, when you're trying to make sure those things take hold. That's good. I, I know when I talk with my boys now, I tell them, I say, look, I know you're not going to hear everything I say. Please listen to this. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'll, I'll intentionally repeat things over and over again because I really want them to take hold. Have you kind of thought about any like exercises with the kids or ways to try and help them take hold of those things that, that you might have m- missed. Or Clay, you asked some amazing questions. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. That, that's, well, uh, with, you're going to give me an amazing answer. I just know it. <laughs> uh, my wife, my beautiful wife, Patrice, and I, we have four boys. We have Caleb, Jordan, Jeremiah, and Christopher. And their ages are nine, seven, six, and three. Mm. So there's a lot of energy at our house. I there's, can only, I mean, yeah. All boys. I can relate. We've got four, too. One girl, but four. Okay. So I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> so it's always quiet at your house. Oh, yeah. Never any, no, no. There was never no. any Legos on the floor. Never stepped on one. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Bath time, bathroom floor is never covered with water. Never. Um, so our boys, they're, they're, they're wonderful, but they're a handful. They mm-hmm. have so much energy. They're all, I mean, you have four different people going in you know, 12 different directions because each one of them had three different things they want to talk exactly. to you yep, about exactly. simultaneously. And it can be frustrating to try, you know, you come home and you're just bombarded. Mm-hmm. It, it can be frustrating to try to navigate and field and manage and all the things that you have to right. do as a parent. They miss us. We hadn't, they hadn't seen us all day long, you know. Yeah. So I try to leverage their attention with 
the things that I need to get across to them. Mm, interesting. When they're coming at me full of attention and full of excitement, and uh, you know, my kids they literally run and jump and tackle me midair when I come That's home. That's great. They hear the little backdoor chime. Right. They're like, "Guys, Daddy's home!" Oh, and I hear all these feet, you know, uh, stampering across the floor. And they not well, Caleb and Jordan can't do it anymore because they've hurt my backs too many, my back mm. too many times. But the other two, Jeremiah, they just run and jump at me, and I've got to catch them. And um, they'll start firing off questions and asking me, Daddy, can I, can I get a new Beyblade? Right. Daddy, can we do this? Can I, can I show you this new game that I want to get? Uh, Caleb and Jordan are really into YouTube and creating YouTube content of, yeah. you know, as far as gaming. And uh, Caleb's learned about investing. He's like, I want to teach other kids about how to invest and what uh, I do with so my cool. 20 bucks. And the, I mean, it's literally 12 different directions. Sure. So while they've got that much attention, that they want to give to me, mm. I try to leverage it. And in those moments, I'll find some sort of a creative way to get some of the things that I've been needing to talk to them about. So keeping their rooms clean, right. or putting your cereal bowl away after you finish eating breakfast in the morning. Mm. It's huge at that age, it's important. Right. That's something they need to take care of and do to develop the habits and routines of a responsible young man. Mm. I think it's well, a, that's, that's where it starts. Yeah. So I said, Daddy, you know, this, this uh, software, it's free. It's a free download. These oh, are the different free. things yeah. that I can do, the graphics. Is it okay if I download it? And I always tell them, you can have, you can have anything in this world that you want, but it's not going to be given to you. Mm. You, can have, you can have that software and a million other software packages that are out there if you want them, but it's not going to be given to mm -hmm. you. They know what the next, the answer to the next question I'm going to ask is, what do you have to do in order to get this stuff? We've got to earn it. They've been, they've heard that since they've. Like heard, you say, if you say, what do you have to do to get it? Yes. They will respond. Absolutely. I have to earn it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Good. Call and response. Wow. I'll say, all right, so what are some of the things you need to do, Caleb, to earn this, uh, this new uh, so software so you can start really ramping up your YouTube content? And he'll repeat the things that mom and dad have been talking to him about. <laughs> so good. I try to use all of that attention that they're really, you know, you know, bombarding me with. It's like a bazooka shot of attention. Right. As soon as I end it, right around hour, two hours into being home, it dies down. They kind of go off, do their thing. You know, we eat dinner. Patrice and I are talking. But during that first hour right. of me coming home. That's when I really have their attention because they're they're wanting stuff. They're wanting to share stuff with me that's that they've great. done throughout the day. So that's how I've tried to get, you know, some of my most poignant parenting messages back across that bridge to them. Yeah. And then it becomes a relationship. Right. It's not just I want you to do this. Put your bowl away with no context around it. Mm. So why? What's the big deal if the bowl's over there or in the sink or in the dishwasher? So you're saying that when I just stand there screaming it at them, <laughs> that's not the most effective Sometimes way? it's effective. If you have that bass in your voice sometimes, yeah. or if you've yeah, got really that, high pe that high pitch, you know. No, that's that's really, that's awesome, deliberate parenting. You know, that's... It doesn't always work, but it, it's... it's sure. I think I think things... In life, you normally have a better outcome when there's some sort of thought-out intention right. in mind. Exactly. So that's, I'm just trying to be intentional. Well, that's what can be challenging. You know, when you're talking about when you're coming home from long, you know, your long day, they're full of energy, full of questions, full of yep. you know, and you're coming in having poured everything out, you know, <laughs> left it on the field, and you're coming in the door to that. It it is challenging. I mean, I know for me, my, it sounds so. My boys, 17, twin, 14 year olds, and then my, my little girl, seven. Um, you know, I'm at a stage where I come in the door and I'm lucky if I get a, hey, yeah. you know, and so it, the challenge is that deliberate nature of approaching it, you know, so yeah. congratulations. I know you said it doesn't always work. No, I know what you mean, but just that whole thought process is an amazing approach that your boys are definitely benefiting from. So that's really cool. I appreciate you kind of letting us go off on that tangent because that's really, really good stuff. So. You know, one of the things that for me, just from a business perspective that I've, I was interested in was that decision um, when you were uh, conceptualizing your business, was I going to open a restaurant or was I going to open a food truck? So what was the thought process? Well, the, that's a great, another great question. The idea of a restaurant literally never resonated with right. me. I mean, uh, from the, the initial conversations that Patrice and I had about 
you know, we just swept this barbecue competition, a local barbecue competition. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous feedback on the food. I didn't even want to compete in the competition. Mm -hmm. And I realized after, you know, packing up all my stuff and heading back home that night, like, wow, I mean, there's, there's an opportunity here. People love our food that much. I yeah. mean, what's the next logical step is my, is my, that's always my thinking. What's the next step? What's, I try to think in, in sequential terms mm -hmm. instead of how do I get from here to the other side of the mountain? It's like, what's that next step? Exactly. What's the, yes, absolutely. If I step, Agree. if mm -hmm. I'm climbing that mountain and I step there, there's a very good chance I'm gonna twist my ankle and not mm -hmm. be able to finish my journey. Mm -hmm. So I'm always thinking next step instead of like how to, how to complete the journey. So I want to enjoy it. I want to right. be able to remember that step and what mm. that meant to me. What was I feeling in that moment? And my wife, uh, Patrice, she's the smartest person I know. She's mm. incredibly smart. Um, she said yes when I you know, asked her to marry Which me. was so a that, good start, that right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> no, but um, so when we, when we were kind of kicking the idea around of like, what's the next logical step? You know, we, I, I was cooking barbecue in the backyard literally every single weekend uh since 2011 and we won that we won a huge mm -hmm. barbecue comp well a local barbecue competition in 2013 so for two years cooking every single weekend it got to the point where we we're just giving away food a food truck seemed very logical it seemed mm -hmm. very rational it seemed and in business i think you need some of that sure and then you do need some outlandish out of the box crazy that is nobody's ever going to do that you're mm -hmm. going to ask a stranger to come pick you up in their vehicle and drop you off somewhere and you don't know them hello uber you know right absolutely and, and so it's that you need you need a mixture mm -hmm. of both it's a recipe you know you start speaking our language so uh the, the restaurant just didn't seem like a logical progression from where we're at my wife uh she has her phd from uf and she was teaching at santa fe at the time um i was uh a health educator at the Marion County right. Health Department at the time, heading up an abstinence education program, a sex ed program, mm -hmm. very successful. Mm -hmm. And I uh, just couldn't see making that sort of a jump into a brick and mortar and staff and all the, the learning curve and all these things. It just, it just didn't make, didn't seem like it would make, I would never advise someone to do that. That's such great insight because I think whenever anybody enjoys making food or things, they immediately like, I'm going to open a restaurant one day. Mm -hmm. And you're right. That's a big leap. Because now you're, you're paying rent, you've got, you know, overhead, you got employee, you got all, you're going from nothing to like the Everything, biggest thing. Yeah. On the spectrum, it made more sense to smart, start a little smaller. So that's a, that's a great insight. I have the saying, uh, whenever we're having team meetings and we're talking business, everything for me is start small and put as much energy and, and, and uh, just hard work as you can mm -hmm. into it to grow big. Right. I don't want to start big and try to maintain big because yeah. then you have to maintain big. Right. Maintaining big is not easy. It's like it's like lifting weights. You go into the gym and you, you, you put 300 pounds on the bar and you try to yeah. bench press right. that. Good luck. Yeah. You know, you start out with just the bar, you know, yep. build some confidence. Okay, I can do this. Oh, it makes sense. It, yeah. It's that's ex that's a great analogy. That's exactly what, you know, you kind of have done, but I don't think you're is your progression going to in include a restaurant? Like, where, where do you see? I think, well, actually, I do want to get your insight on how you feel that our kind of society's relationship with restaurants or with dining is changing, and then kind of what you see the progression looking like. We're, we're literally in the middle of what history will look back on and say this was a huge shift and change mm -hmm. in everything, everything imaginable. I can't think of any industry or any sector of every society across the world globally that isn't changing right now. Mm -hmm. the, the hand of every one of those industries and every aspect of society, it's, all, it's being forced uh, in, mm -hmm. in, uh, in several different ways. And uh, if you don't pivot, you, you die at times. Absolutely. If you don't change, you get left behind. Mm -hmm. If you don't make that right hand turn, you drive off of the cliff, you yeah. drive through the barricade and uh, some of those things are happening right now. So I like to try to be a student of the, the world around me, the retail world around me. I look at what's happening with some of the traditional big box retailers that mm -hmm. a lot of folks used to shop at. And that's right. not the future. It's not what we're going to be doing 5, 10, 50. Our kids are not going to be going to those places when they right. need to buy a shirt or a pair of shoes or sunglasses. No. It's, it's being all shift it to online retail. Absolutely. I mean, it's huge. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think um, 
for me, the idea of trying to move into a restaurant wouldn't make much sense right now for me with you know thinking in terms of the future. Uh, and when you look at our industry, the restaurant industry, I think we're like one of the f- the fourth largest employers in the nation. Wow, I wasn't aware of that. It's wow. it's up there. Yeah, that it, makes it, sense. It's up yeah. there. We're employing a lot of people in this shift. It's going to affect a lot of people. Mm. Dining habits are changing as we speak. We've had to make changes at Big Lee's to stay sure. current. You either ride a wave or the wave breaks and you get left in the water just you know, paddling out there. Mm-hmm. We want to be, we want to constantly move, move with that wave. Right. I'm not addicted to any one thing in business. We do have culture. We do have identity. We do have standards, but I have to move with where my customers right. and with where, with where the rest of society is moving. So, uh, you, you look at how there's less foot traffic into restaurants these days. I don't even own a restaurant. I'm mm-hmm. talking about this stuff, but there's less foot traffic into restaurants pre COVID. There was less uh, foot traffic for a lot of places. COVID really just accelerated it. Right. Uh, a lot of the culture of dining around the world, when you read a lot of uh, you know literature and mm-hmm. articles that are being written about dining habits and the future of it, it's changing. Um, you look at food delivery services right. like you know Uber Eats, Grubhub, DoorDash. The list goes on and on and on. The market share it's growing. It's not right, just more right, people right. dividing the same market share. It's growing. Mm-hmm. So it's telling you that dining habits are changing. So I love restaurants. Uh, I think we all do. We all love to go out and sure. have a great meal and have service, but it's changing. Mm-hmm. And not, I don't think anybody knows, unless you have a crystal ball somewhere, I don't think anybody knows exactly what it looks like. But what I do know is we have to be aware of those changes and those shifts. Absolutely. And uh, you want to be on the you want to be on the cusp of whatever the new thing is that's happening. Well, I think it's a it's a little bit the the analogy I'm going to share is a little bit worn out. I think it just really brings home, and it's what I'm always thinking about with my business. But it's you think about Blockbuster and how quickly it went from. You got to go in. You know, you got to have a store that you're going to go into. They've got to stock, you know, thousands of movies. There's got to be seven teenagers working <laughs> at all times for you to rent a movie. Yeah. To now, all of a sudden, I just walk into Publix and I go, "Oh, there's Redbox." Not even to mention streaming, because I, I think that was that was a shift that if you know, Blockbuster's got to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. But like, just look at that business model of renting a movie. It went from all of this to this little thing. A Redbox, you yeah. know. And so I just think that it's so important that if, as a business, no matter how successful you are, no matter where you feel like you are uh, in the food chain, you've always got to be aware of how things are shifting. So that's such a great point. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I think Blockbuster is that that's a that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I think they they were at the top of the food chain. You right. can't think of another movie rental company that was neck and neck with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, they were it, they were just out there crushing that yep. industry. And then in the blink of an eye, it feels like, you yeah. know, it's a, it's a dinosaur. I was listening to a podcast about that, uh, about Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. One of their uh, senior whatever in their company uh, had suggested that they start moving in a different direction instead of having all these cassettes and all these DVDs and all this stuff and start thinking about online. And they were almost laughed Left out of the, the, the yeah. boardroom. Mm-hmm. And... They, they they work for Amazon now oh, with all the things right. that Amazon's doing with streaming. So yeah. it's just interesting, you know, when you really pay attention and get the pulse of where things are heading. Uh, it's important. And, and this is one of the challenges, you know, as a business owner, you have to be good at so many different things yes. or you have to have enough revenue to be able to, to pay yep. people to do the things that you're not good at. And like we said the other day, if you if you've got a business right now and your doors are still open and you know cash flow is still rolling, you've got something to be proud of. None of us prepared for right. this. Nobody says I'm going to open a Big Lee's barbecue and then March of 2020 I'm going to be ready for that pandemic that's right. coming. No, you know there's no way to do that. Um, a lot of it's luck, a lot of it's blessings, a lot of it's you know knowing the right people sure. that. You're paying attention to and they say something and it sparks an idea. A lot of it's education. I'm a huge nerd when it comes to just trying to consume as much content about mm-hmm. what I do and uh, just the, in, the the retail industry as a whole. 
where you know online versus uh, right. brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. Where which one's going to be? Which, which ones is the the future going to look more like? Is it going to look more online? Is it going to look like more brick and mortars? Right. You know, even commercial real estate. You yeah. know, all these different things that are going on. So it's just something that I pay attention to and I look at. And uh, we have a very solid plan for how we want to move forward and stay current with the times. So, so I think the last point sort of transitions well into you know our conversation the other day included you know keys for business. And I do want to warn you, I may um, start following you around and just writing down things that you say <laughs> and then publish a book. It'd be like stuff uh, stuff Rashad stuff Rashad says. You call it serious saying. Serious saying. <laughs> but really, I thought you had some great points about you Thank know, you. keys for business. So if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to hear more about that. There's a ton of them, but I'd say for me, one that's central uh, for, for me, uh, and this may not work for everybody, but uh, Big Lee's, uh, the genesis of Big Lee's was within family. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the name of our company is uh, Named after my wife's uncle, mm. whose barbecue I had for the first time back on Thanksgiving Day of 2011. Mind-blowingly amazing, mm. good, incredible, whatever adjective you want to throw in there, doesn't really give justice to how amazing his food was. So uh, his name was Leon Archie. Um, I was inspired by his food, started cooking uh, you know, barbecue because of how good his food tasted. That was back in Mississippi. So obviously I'm not gonna make an 11 hour drive every right. time I want more of Uncle Leon's food. Uh, so he passed away in 2012. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, that, that flame above the eye symbolizes his spirit and hospitality living on through us. Oh wow. And the tagline is almost like a personal ode from me to him. Oh, that I'm gonna beautiful. carry that torch and that flame, keep it burning strong and hot, you know, as long as I can until mm -hmm. I can pass it on to many, 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 many more, uh, for hopefully decades to come. Um, so with that being said, like families where all of this came out of it was it was Patrice, it was her family, and this inspiration that I was left with that has created Big Lee's. So we, you know, you figure we open for business and. We have these successes with national television, yeah. and having my own television show. Uh, TripAdvisor just rated us as one of the top ten, top ten percent of the 1.4 million That's eateries incredible. that. Oh yeah, that is so incredible. Congratulations. Top, thank you. Mm. Top ten, uh, top ten percent of the 1.4 million eateries that are reviewed on their site. Um, so all of these wonderful things have happened. And there is a saying, I didn't, obviously I didn't come up with it, but people always say, don't forget where you came from. Mm -hmm. And it's tricky because as a business grows, as it becomes successful, as that, that business places more of a demand on your time, your effort, your energy, your creativity, your thinking, everything of what you have to give, Absolutely. you literally have to put it into your business in order for it to be successful and in order for it to thrive. I don't think you can give at 50% or or any other percentage other than 100% or the customers, the customers are discerning, they'll mm -hmm. notice it. So the biggest key for success in my eyes for me, for our concept, for my life, my family, our company, our team, is to really, really try my best to nurture uh, my family, uh, Patrice, Caleb, Jordan, Jeremiah, Christopher, to make sure they're well, to make sure my wife is well, because I think it reciprocates back to me. If my children are pleased with me and the way I'm able to divide my time with business and, hey, daddy's home, mm -hmm. or, hey, dad's home. Right. There's a difference. Absolutely. And I don't ever want my return at home to be like, you know, the kid's response, like an indictment against me. It's like, well, guys, I'm trying it. it, it right. Today required 18 hours. What was I to do? Mm -hmm. Leave at nine and have all hell breaking loose back at the spot and then that reciprocates back to well we're not our cells aren't as strong it's a cycle it, and, it feeds and, itself and i i don't think there's any perfect way to manage it um but i do know that the more i invest into my boys the more i invest into patrice the more i invest into our relationship the more they're going to cheer me on mm. and when you're a sports guy when, when college college football, when yeah. that band's playing at a home right. game and they're the you know the percussion sections, everybody's performing oh, better. Man, and yeah. exactly, and then the crowd's roaring. Yeah. 
that quarterback feels like he can throw the ball a, a, a full 100 yards. Yep. The running back's like, give me the ball. I don't care who's in front of me. Put a brick wall in front of me. Mm-hmm. I'll run through it. There'll be a little man cut out in the brick wall. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's that sort of energy that the family puts back inside right. of me because they know it's it's Florida. It's 100 degrees. It's hot. We're working by live fires. There's a lot to juggle. There's 40 people in line. The, eight, the 40th person's thinking, man, what's taking yeah. so long? I've got to show empathy to that guy and show extend hospitality and keep this whole mix going. And I can't do it if I don't have their support and I don't have their blessing and mm, if things right. aren't right with them. So for me, that's the biggest key for me. And I feel that the, the challenge is for every business owner, for every entrepreneur to figure out what their thing is. What is it? What is your key? Mm. I've got I've, people make fun of me. I walk around with all these keys. If I handed you these for yes. your life, it these would work. mean absolutely mm. nothing to you. You'd go through, yeah, this is trash to you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not going to open anything that you need open. And I feel it's the same for every business owner. Right. You have to find your key. What is it? What key unlocks the full potential that you have inside of you to commit to your business? And for me, it's, it's trying my best to take care of my family, making sure they're well, making sure Patrice, her heart and mind is at ease, making sure my boy's can play fight with daddy and beat right. me up when I get home, which is what they want to do a lot sure. of times. And I think um, if we can do those things, I think it's going to lend itself to our businesses becoming and continuing to to be successful. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's challenging, you know, as you said, to be truly successful in business, um, it, you, know, you, you do have to put 100% into it. You know, you you stated it well that your customers, your clients, your stakeholders will will discern if you're not putting that hundred percent. Absolutely. But what's left after a hundred percent? Because if I, I mean, I don't, I'm not great with percentages, but I think that's all of it. So then it's going home, and and so you have to really know how to balance that. Yeah. But I agree um, with with the statement, uh, particularly when it comes to you know the spouse that's supporting you, um, and you. Helping them be at peace with what's going on yeah. with the business, depending on their level of involvement. You know, if they're separated from the business and not involved in it day to day, but their life depends on that business, you know, it's important for that business owner to involve the spouse, make sure that they know what's going on, help them to understand where things are headed. I'm a number of my friends are business owners, and, and we've seen the different like ways that anxiety can be driven by that separation from the business. Oh, yeah. So, you know that that's a that's a great um, you know way to make it clear is to to take responsibility for that peace of mind at the house. Um, well, I appreciate this so much. Um, there have been so many great things that we have talked about today. You know, I would tell everybody that's watching today if you're not already following Big Lee's on you know Facebook and social media that you need to, but be prepared to be <laughs> tempted and hungry because it starts. Early in the morning and throughout my day, when I go to check in, I get to see a big brisket, just juicy. And I mean, it just, your mouth starts watering. But you should follow, uh, you should follow Rashad and Big Lee's. And I mean, because it's just amazing. And, and, and to be honest with you, so I was watching some of the other interviews that you've done. And in each one that I watched, there were so many great nuggets. So I would encourage you um, to Thank seek you. out the stuff that he's done in the past. So I'm Clay Lehman. This is Ocala Hustle. If you've enjoyed this, I would encourage you to subscribe. We have our podcast. We're going to have the link uh, included as well where you can follow us there. Thank you so much.